Welcome back, everybody, to the Real Weirdos podcast. Or maybe not welcome back. Maybe just welcome, as the case may be. I don't know. I don't know how many like regulars we have week to week. Let us know. <laughs> Let us know if you're a regular. That sounds nice. Um, but yeah, we are the Real Weirdos, one and a half white men with English degrees who talk about movies for way too goddamn long. And we hope you're doing okay today. We know the madness is crazy. We know the world is crazy, and we hope you're doing all right. Mm-hmm. But today, in hopefully bringing you some amount of normalcy, we are here to talk about The Northman, a 2022 film from director Dave Eggers. Wait, Robert Eggers. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> Bungling it immediately. <laughs> Who's Dave Eggers? Uh, Dave Eggers is a writer and an author. Oh, that's it. McSweeney's that's like, that's publishing right. house up in San Francisco. Yeah. Yeah, he wrote The Circle. Um, He's an interesting writer. They made a movie about that with Tom Hanks that I didn't see, but I liked the book a lot. Anyway, (laughs) Alex, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm ready to talk about The Northman, Robert Eggers. I almost just did it too, Jesus. Um, Yeah, infecting you now. I'm ready to talk about his third film, I think. Um, It is his third film. Okay. I know we're fans of the, the other two, the first two. Um, yeah, so, I mean, uh, The Northmen, it's a Viking revenge movie. We were very excited about it, as were a lot of, you know, fans of cinema. Yeah. Because we were we were big fans of his first two movies. He feels like, I don't know if you'd call him like a, a vanguard of, of a new breed of cinema. He's one of them for sure, yeah. He's one of the most interesting and best new filmmakers working today. He's in his um, late 30s, I believe. Uh, mid th- mid to early 30s when he started. But he made The Vich, which was one of the best movies of 2015. And then he followed it up with The Lighthouse, which mm-hmm. was one of the best movies of 2019. <laughs> and you're like, great, uh, keep going, man. And this one was his first sort of foray into higher budget filmmaking. I believe uh, the budget was $60 million. Ended up ballooning into about 90 million when the COVID restrictions made things a little more difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were excited about this, and I am keen to know, Alex, my friend, Alex, my dude, mm-hmm. Alex, my co host, what did you feel about this film? I thought it was pretty, pretty uh, epic, if that's like a word that I can use. Um, I don't necessarily mean it in like the superlative sense. I mean it in the more literal sense. Like this movie's big, right? Like it's a long winding story. It takes place spatially over a long time. The sets and like just the like extras and all of the choreogra- uh, choreography that went into all the craziness is it, it's very apparent on the film that it's like his biggest project, you know? Um, mm. I thought that it was pretty good. 
I thought that it was kind of like stunted in some areas. Um, oh, interesting. But it also felt like much more traditional than some of his other films, if that makes sense. Like it kept his style and it kept his flavor for sure. But it like, I don't know, like something about his first two movies, it like totally took you off the rails of traditional and conventional cinema, right? It was like you're on this crazy journey. And this one was more, I don't know. It's it just felt more like a movie movie to me. Um, okay, but I mean, there are some aspects to it that are just I thought were just totally badass, and just outright like awesome. Um, there's so many like Skyrim, Elden Ring references I could make right now that like it just right. had that like feeling, <laughs> you know. Uh, oh man, yeah, a lot of a lot of badass Norse Norseness yeah. happening. So. That was all really cool. I just, I don't know. It just didn't like blow me out of the water, I guess. Like we just did a film, right? That was just like (laughs) mind boggling and life changing and whatnot. So I don't know if it's playing off of that dynamic in any way, but Mm. I definitely disagree with like, I'm upset that it didn't do that well at the box office. I will say that. Um, Yeah, we will get into that. So. We'll definitely get into that. Um, it's interesting, man. This is one of those movies where I, I I was I was super curious to know what you felt felt and if your reaction would mirror mine, because this happens with us. It's like sometimes a movie will come out by a filmmaker that we both really enjoy, and I'll see it and I'll be kind of lukewarm on it, mm-hmm. and I'll be like, I wonder if Alex felt the same thing. And it's interesting that you did because <laughs> I have almost the same argument as you wait really for for this movie yeah yeah for sure i i admire the fuck out of this movie yeah okay i think it is i think it's tremendously well made of course it's directed by robert eggers he's uh he's still fully in command of of his tone and like the style and filmmaking and it is much more lavish of a production than he's able he's been able to do before but something about it kind of left me cold. It's like I respected it more than I liked it, and I don't exactly know why. But there are some some sort of details that lead into these this this the analysis that we can do here. But I mean, first of all, let's talk about this this presentation, right? I mean, it is it is glorious. Oh my! The movie feels and looks tremendously good (laughs) i mean it just does it's dirty it's gritty it feels pretty authentic um definitely i don't i don't i mean i'm not uh, a historian a viking historian or any kind of historian really but i mean it, it it really feels like you're just thrust into this whole other world which is something i always appreciate even like the even being able to throw it so far back in time it it did seem like foreign like at a like fantasy like even though they were using real names for places and things like that right and the, some of the the set not the set excuse me some of like uh the locations locations that, yeah exactly some of the locations that they shot at looked absolutely gorgeous and like you said it's like eggers like it's funny because i've never seen him shoot huge landscape shots like that you know, and like in the lighthouse and in and in the witch, like it, it was much more closed in. I feel like, 
Those are very claustrophobic movies. Yeah, and this they, like, one is basically huge. take place in one location. Yeah, like the the witch kind of moves around in in the little homestead, and then the lighthouse. Yeah, I haven't seen that in too long. I I guess I like I'm just I just have like very specific scenes that are stuck in my head, but the rest of it is a little bit hazy after five years. Yeah, I mean it's cool to Maybe see to Anya Taylor Joy come back and like collaborate with him again. You can you obviously can tell that like she appreciates working with him. Um, yeah, and Willem Dafoe. Just throw that one in. Oh there. yeah, Willem Dafoe <laughs> is just born to be in movies like this. Just like these weird fucking roles. He's so perfect. But then, and also in Sam Raimi's Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, we've talked about his sort of ethos before, where if he believes in your vision, then he wants to help you in any way he can. He's just like a cool person, Absolutely. a cool artist. Exactly. Um, to your point about this movie feeling epic, it does, but. And I don't, I don't know if this is me, like, ex- this is a problem with my own expectations. Is I thought it would be kind of more epic. I thought it would be more of a, a globe trotter, I guess. Okay. Because it, it does have that quality at first, where it's jumping from location to location, but then it kind of settles down. Um, in the second half, when they get to that village, mm-hmm. where he's just going to like perpetrate his revenge. Yeah. And there are like different scenes within that where he goes and fights the Draugr, decapitates it, sticks its head up its own ass. Yeah. And like stuff like that. But this goes into the point about it being a mid-budget production, like 60 million. This isn't the budget of a Marvel movie, you know? Yeah. And maybe, uh, and I I also totally want to explore why this movie kind of left me cold-ish. Yeah. Because it's it's weird. Like I don't exactly know why, and I hope we can get to the bottom of it. But within my research, I found that um, Eggers did not have final cut of this film. I want to stress before I go into this that I did not know this going in. I had no this this in no way colored my viewing. But <clears throat> the studio, like I guess they were nervous giving him this much money to make a movie and knowing that he makes movies that are fucking weird Mm -hmm. and he makes movies that are not for general audiences they're really really like specific art house kind of features so i mean i can kind of see their perspective if you're bankrolling this weird weird director with 60 slash 90 million dollars to make a movie yeah you don't want him to like make a weird one but they did take away his final cut and it, it, I, I don't know how much that plays into my perceptions at all, but he, he himself has said, um, here's some quotes. Frankly, I don't think I will do it again, even oh. if it means not making a film this big ever again. And by the way, I'd like to make a film this big. I'd like to make one even bigger, but without control, I don't know. It's hard on my person. Hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, working working with like the studio execs and everything in like the cutting room. You know, that can be probably like a just a absolutely like talk about the opposite of a creative process, right? <laughs> just like Yeah. I don't know. Um But yeah, you know, it was when I said when I say epic, I mean almost like in the sense that it's like a traditional epic and it's almost like tropic. Like in the sense that I could uh, it felt kind of predictable. It felt, it didn't feel, I didn't feel invigorated by the story. Okay. So I hate 
I hate to keep bringing up his prior movies. I feel like I've never done this this much with a. a the, the, that's fair. There's only director. three, so it's uh, it becomes interesting when there's that sort of small of a body work, right? Yeah, it's like there's this the sense that in the witch, that's a crazy and like pretty original story, and it gets my mind moving, right? And then he plays on that. It's this family that is so religious, even for the puritanical values of the new colonies, that they get kicked out and they're on their own in this, you know, godforsaken wilderness. That's cool. Then you have this one where this guy gets sent on an assignment where he goes to this crazy, like, isolated lighthouse and he meets this interesting bedfellow. Um, And then this Uh, this one is just like... It's just it's a straightforward revenge story absolutely. with a twist. With a little bit right? of royalty, like revenge, a little bit of the mythology and and the gods, but then there you know, exactly, there is a twist. Yeah. Which was refreshing. It was it was cool. Like the little You're like, oh, there's no good guy. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're like, great. But it is you've seen that before as well. It's like, oh, the morality is twisted now. Mm-hmm. It's not just a one-to-one, the revenge is necessary and, you know, justified. It's all, like, interlinked in different ways. Your father was an asshole, so are you, so am I. Your mom, There's yeah. no real good guy in the movie. Yeah. But I think you're getting into what sort of left me cold about it, which is, I think I, okay, expecting something grander is not necessarily a problem. That was just me not really knowing how big the movie was or whatever, and I got I kind of got Revenant vibes. Like the oh, Revenant yeah. when it started and they had that battle scene, especially because it's cold and there's these really long takes, like really long, intricate takes that are just fucking badass as well when he's like dispatching people in men the village. Men just being primal. Yeah. Um, men just being primal. Exactly. <laughs> um, but that's that's a minor detail. The bigger The bigger problem is that I expected it to be more abstract. Mm-hmm. I expected it to be more thought-provoking. Yeah. I expected it to be more like a Robert Eggers movie. Dude. And it feels like it's halfway between a Robert Eggers movie and a, tra- and a traditional movie. And it's like, that's cool. I think we need more movies like this that aren't just, you know movie movies or Marvel movies or whatever. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like what I want from Eggers, it feels watered down. Yeah. I enjoyed watching it. I enjoyed the filmmaking. I think it's a a really great movie, but I don't know. I just, at the end I was like, Oh, all right. And then I went about my day. It wasn't like at the end of everything, everywhere, all at once, where I was like, holy shit, that was amazing. Right? Or at the end of Edgar's other movies, where I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy shit, that was amazing. I know. It's not like setting the world on fire. That was a good production. That was a really classy film. Yeah. And then I went about my life and didn't think about it again until I was preparing notes for this. You don't need to expect grandness. And it's okay to, like, even kind of expect it. But there were moments in the film where Egger's weirdness was showing. First scene that really caught me was the witch that he sees, right? With the the blind witch with the, the crown of wheat and, like, the shells for eyes. Who's telling him, basically, his fortune. 
Yeah, was it was it Bjork? Was that Bjork? Oh, was it? Damn, I didn't. Remember. Or was that another another wish? There are a couple. The first one, yeah, I think the first one's Bjork, the lady, black and white, like all painted. I forget. So, <laughs> it's just I thought they were really gonna lean into some of that stuff, but that was just more yeah. of a little flavoring on the side because the story was straight revenant traditional. Like I'm going after this person that wronged me, you know. So yeah, like. Even the the hallucinatory scene when him and his father like presumably take the like some type of psychoactive drugs and they hallucinate with the jester who is Willem Dafoe's oh, character yeah. in the that's hut. the Willem Dafoe when they're like barking and farting and stuff. That was the beginning of the film, and I was like, yeah, oh yeah, 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 here we go. Like this is like it, I thought they were gonna go all in on that thing, but they but they didn't. So I don't know. It it relied more on a traditional narrative and storyline that i'm more like well used to i'm seeing a bunch that it didn't blow up and it didn't really invigorate anything different on in my mind you know performances were great the direction like you said was great and some of the shots were just absolutely perfect i have a few in my mind that i can think of right now is it uh when they played viking quidditch <laughs> that i mean that like whole that? scene was pretty fucking badass <laughs> Like, I love that scene. When he was carrying the bag of like instruments, right? And his friend was like, Oh, you've never seen this before. I was like, This is a sport. This looks like this look like sport tools. They don't look like tools like martial weapons or anything. No, they're gonna go play soccer. I know. It's like field yeah. hockey. <laughs> Viking Quidditch. No, but um but um it's it's okay, so speaking about how this sort of operates in terms of the audience. Right. It's it's interesting that we we didn't like it, I think, or not didn't like it, but it sort of it escaped us a bit because we wanted it to be more weird. And this is an interesting point about the sort of audience expectation where I think like people like us are kind of outliers. Mm -hmm. And this is why it didn't do very well at the box office is because while it wasn't weird enough for us. I think at the same time, it's going to be still too weird for general audiences. Oh, yeah. Even though it's like really watered down. I keep wanting to say Dave Eggers. <laughs> no, Robert Eggers. It feels like watered down Robert Eggers. No, it does. You know what I mean? Like, like what's, an, what's a general audience member who's expecting like a gladiator type movie going to gonna think of this you know i thought of gladiator a few times while i watched the film but only in glimmers so you're right it's not like that like high trajectory like fire hose of fucking just like beautiful action nostalgia that we got in like early well, it also 2000s. doesn't it doesn't like signpost its sentimentality yeah in a, in right? a hollywood pro hollywood production type of way it is predictable i would say in that sense but not it doesn't like signpost it and it it does it clever enough and pretty enough that like I'll accept it but like I don't know there were some things that I was just like huh I thought you were going in a different direction with this but I was wrong like you know the the biggest surprise to me was actually uh Nicole Kidman's little thing like her twist her like revelation I, I didn't see that one yeah. coming no I didn't either that's the one thing where like I said it's um it's a straightforward revenge story it just has a twist but that doesn't really change a whole lot. It just you just kill her too. Yeah. You know, you end up killing a little a few more people than you expected. So, uh, there was and another about it. movie I thought of that I wanted to ask you about. Just Okay. Because it's like we almost have two polar opposites right here. We have this film on one end, which is very like 
I mean, you can tell that he's trying to, vying to be historically representative representative in an accurate way. Like, yeah, there's like... That's what they say. I'm not sure about that plastic surgery. Oh, my God. On... on. Nicole Kidman oh, ages know, about about five minutes in 30 years. I know, dude. And her plastic surgery is uh, very obvious. Yeah, it's pretty brutal. She looks good. Don't get me wrong. It's pretty good plastic surgery, but I'm sitting there thinking like a Viking lady at the age of 75 is not going to look like Nicole Kidman. I, I know. It was pretty crazy. Um, this is not a unique, a unique thing I'm saying, by the way. Yeah. This, is, this is a pretty... Uh, a lot of other people have picked up on this. It's just the reality of Hollywood. <laughs> for, good, for good reason. <laughs> it's the reality of Hollywood. Yeah, I, I have to wonder where it was that Eggers had to meet the studio in the middle on. You know, like what things. Was Nicole Kidman part of that? Was it like, was everybody's perfect teeth a part of that? Because <laughs> um, it's like, you can only be historically accurate to a certain degree when you're dealing with Hollywood. Yeah. I guess. And yeah, I, I don't know. It's So what I, I also want to say it's like it's like hard to say what the Eggers cut would have been, right? It's hard to know where the fault lies in this movie being what it is. If fault even needs to be assigned. Yeah. I mean, I guess you can you can assign some of it to the studio cuz they had the final say on it. How much you can give to Eggers for, you know, acquiescing to their demands or however it went or agreeing to it like there's only so much you could do to get the film actually released right if you bitch and take home the reels they'll just kick you off the project reshoot it with a different director and you know like yeah it's like so he has no intellectual property rights to the movies but the other film that i was thinking of that i thought oh yeah you're gonna test me on something here well it was more just like i was thinking of like 300 and I was wondering, like, where this movie takes it and kind of t- tones it down and stylizes some of the, like, things down to make it more, like, realistic. You do have this weird, like, primal relation to the stuff that goes down in 300, right? And it's, like, this weird epic royal struggles. These, like, weird struggles of history that have these weird implications. And, like, I don't know. Like, I thought that the whole thing about his, like, kids being, like, kings in the end were just like it just added a weird level of grandiosity that i didn't feel like needed to be there um and it wait was there are you, which movie you're talking about i'm talking about you're talking about the northman yeah i'm talking about that in relation to like 300 like so as a was general movie going audience because we were talking about that before um yeah and, was there something about his kids being kings oh yeah him and anya taylor I, joy like Fuck, <laughs> Alex, I've completely forgotten that part. There's like this whole thing where like, had, like the witch tells oh, him. Oh, it's like he sees it in a dream or it's, something? It's like a vision, yeah. And the witch yeah. tells him like, you have to choose between being kind to your kin or your like thirst for revenge. And so he's mm. like, you know. Oh, that's right. Fuck it, I'm going to do both. I'm going to save my like pregnant lover, Olga, who's bearing yeah. children who will one day be kings. And Queens. And then, yeah. So it's just like part of that. I was just like, that is where I tried to, that's where I started to see the appeal to like the general movie going audience. And it's weird because that has the elements of it. So it's interesting to me that it wasn't quite weird enough for us, 
but you, it like it was a little weird too weird for them to really boost it at the box office because it has the violence of 300 it has the grandiosity of 300 it has the big buff oh. like headlining actor of 300 right that's brutal yeah that movie made so much fucking money um and it, it was so popular and like i i couldn't figure out necessarily why different time art was in a different place different time 15 years ago 16 right? years ago and like the yeah. whole stylized thing was like whoa like oh that was Zack snyder pioneering the the now defunct except in morbius i guess speed yeah, up God. slow down thing yeah, yeah, yeah exactly speed up slow <laughs> dude come on i am in the action yeah so this definitely that looked really fucking cool at the time now in morbius not so much the, this one like did, junk. though, like, it took more traditional filmmaking techniques when it came to the action, for sure. Like, there wasn't oh, a lot of great. shaky cam, right? Which I, I'm sure you loved. I didn't throw out the Inari 2 reference for nothing, the the Revenant reference. It's like, that's how some of the greatest action ever. Yeah. That opening action scene is astonishing. It's absolutely astonishing. It's some of the greatest action filmmaking of this century. And um, same with this one. I mean, when they go into that village and they're just wholesale doing the slaughter and there's those really long action takes, mm-hmm. that shit is badass, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. And it it's never that cool again. If I can levy another complaint, <laughs> I, like, I was like, he catches the spear, throws it back at him. I know. It has these really long shots, these long tracking shots where he's moving through. And you're just like, like, I've never seen Viking badassitude, like, represented cinematically that well. Oh, it's so raw. And then it never did again. It had cool moments after that, but nothing that matched that. Where I was like, yes, Alexander Skarsgård is the man. Dude, it, that was, it was a pretty Indiana Jones moment, right? He just this is like, my this is my like my general audience version of myself being like well, yeah. the action was cool and then it wasn't cool <laughs> well, but yeah. this is valid okay people it's valid <laughs> I mean he chucked that the when the spear comes and he catches it I remember saying out loud oh, whoa that was cool <laughs> like he turns it around and throws it back and like you're right that was like the little bit that they had of it um, I don't know it's really hard for me to talk about this movie for some reason Jesse. And I don't know why. Me too, dude. Me too. It's weird, right? Um, it's definitely trying to present itself as like it's historical, right? And it's did you? I also thought of Valhalla Rising. It's like almost impossible not to think of Rafa oh, as well. Oh, I right? thought about that too. Like, and I was like, I was thinking about that too. And I was like, why do I love Valhalla Rising so much more? <laughs> I love it so much more. And that is a movie that almost nobody's gonna like that one is like the because modernist it is so poem. abstract that one's like the modernist postmodernist poem of viking culture and a, of a viking journey and this one is much more of the traditional like epic like it's a much more fleshed it's, out version of it but it almost yeah it almost like like you said it like waters it down a little bit right but a little bit, just just enough to like like frustrate me. Yeah, it's still it's still gonna be weird to people. It doesn't have the swelling orchestral score of Gladiator. There's not the music and the filmmaking isn't gonna tell you how to feel. I think like it's still gonna be challenging for a lot of people to watch and get through. It's just like we are the real weirdos. Like we're used to fucking weirdo cinema, <laughs> and we have expectations for weirdo cinema. And okay. It's like, uh, from what I understand, the studios put heavy pressure on the edit based on test screenings. 
Oh. And if there's anything a Robert Eggers movie should never, ever do, it's to compromise for the sake of the masses. And the fact that this happened, even even if he says he's happy about it and that this is a good version of the movie, it gives me a gross feeling and it tinges my view. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And I understand, like, you don't want to Josh Trank the situation, which I probably need to explain. Like, you want to keep it civil. So there was a movie in 2015, I think, called Fantastic Four or Fantastic as it's as it looks in the title okay and <clears throat> was being directed by a guy named Josh Trank who was coming off the heels little indie darling of a movie called Chronicle I believe okay um they got him to make this movie this fantastic four superhero movie okay and he had his own vision for it and he wanted to do all this like cool Cronenberg body horror type of stuff, which would fit in the fantasy in the Fantastic Four universe, you know. Yeah, and you can see little elements of that, but then the studio completely took over control and fucked him over. And I think in 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 to be fair, a much bigger way than Eggers, and you know did reshoots, did Final Cut, but we're we're actively fucking with production while he was making the movie mm. to the point where he showed up to the sets drunk, was just totally out of sorts. And kind of ruined his career by being uncivil is a, is a, is a very plain way to put it to, to the studios. You know, like he called them out and they kind of made sure he didn't work again. That's kind of brutal. It's brutal. I have to, we have to look in. I'll do some research here right now, actually. I didn't intend to bring this up, but let's see what he's done recently. But the point is, it's difficult to know where the actuality lies in terms of like what the Eggers cut was, how civil he's being for his career with the studio. Yeah. You know, like we don't really know. We just have his word and it feels pretty accurate because the movie is very good, but it's also not totally his movie. Yeah. I feel like something about it. It's like, it has like a squeaky wheel, Jesse. There's something like, it's like a humming machine that everything is working kind of like it's working the way it's supposed to be working, but it's like Hmm. something about it's like leaking oil or there's like a rattling sound that I can't identify. And even when I pulled it, Nicole Kidman. Oh God. I mean, (laughs) is it under the skin? No, I don't think anything (laughs) can get under that skin. I think that skin is hard as a fucking rock. (laughs) That shit is like one of those runes carved out of marble. Um, Oh man. But, it it's just oh. I don't know there there was something <laughs> what is it that's the wheel it like what's the squeak it like stumbled in areas that I felt like it just didn't hit as hard as I thought it wanted me to hit like the primal shit was fucking crazy like watching dudes fight like butt ass naked was pretty like it was intense yeah you know what, like, what let's 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 segment this like what do we love about the movie what do we like okay the sort of hardcore brutal masculinity is interesting. yes i mean it's like really raw yeah like that'll just be like one of the guilty pleasures of the movie i loved the the like leaning into the lore um of the film uh or excuse me of the culture i love like the God, that scene at the beginning was was one of my favorite scenes. I mean, the scene where they're like hallucinating in the den, you know, and they're like levitating above the fire with Willem Dafoe. 
that was all like fucking really cool. Um, again, the shots specifically, there's this one shot that, um, at the very beginning, you know, when the, the kid Almir, he's like, or Almin, excuse me, Amlin, he's like, Oh, he's coming home. He's coming home. And it like does this thing where it zooms in on his face, but then it like turns around and you just see like his little tuft of hair as the ships are coming in. I was like, okay, that's Dave Eggers doing his thing. And then there was a scene with like boats Dave on Eggers. Oh, who's shit. Dave? Who's Dave Eggers? <laughs> God damn it! This fucking name, thing. Robert Eggers, doing his thing. I have infected you. Yeah. And then uh, there's I'm like giving a sh- you the monkeypox. There's, <laughs> there's a shot on like the river where the boats are crossing. You know the different like boats when it's like twenty years, some odd years later. And Skarsgård's all buffed out, rowing the boat. And I was like, this shot was... Like, little shots like that were just populated throughout the movie. Um, and then the, the acting performances overall were pretty yeah. stellar. Performances are great. Even Nicole Kidman did a great performance. It's just funny to see plastic surgery in Viking land. Yeah. Um, no, so uh, just, just a note for the audience out there. We were going to record this episode maybe four or five days ago. Yeah. We ended up getting delayed just because life happens. Um, Technical so, difficulties. So, like, I, it's interesting thinking about this movie in the sense that I haven't seen it in five days and how much of it has left my brain. Like, I could probably give you the same episode on everything, everywhere, all at once. Oh, yeah. Two weeks later, as I did if I seen it the night before. But this one, after five days, it's a lot of it has left my brain. Yeah. You're saying these shots right now? I don't remember half the <laughs> shots you're talking about. I mean... I remember my general feeling. I remember scattered images. It's And uh, it's very strange. Like, we keep coming back to how strange it is to talk about this movie. Because I expected to love it. It was pretty, like, heavily expected and, and, like, people were raring for it to come out, right? Like, they were like, oh, like, the trailer just got released, the poster just got released. It's This was the most exciting movie of the year in oh, terms, like, absolutely. as far as I was concerned. Absolutely. You know? Because, like, it had been a while since he had done something. And it's crazy to see these directors coming out of the pandemic and coming out of COVID when everything was kind of put on halt. And you're like, okay. Now you have no excuse. Like you, you have had two years to like meditate and, you know, like marinate in your ideas. Let's see him start spitting him out. And there's been some good movies that have been coming out and have been spun out of the craziness of the world that we live in. Um, so yeah, I was super excited for this movie. It was like probably out of all of like the filmmakers that we've talked about, I was most like anticipated for this for Eggert's next movie. I was like waiting for it and I was super excited for it. Um, yeah. He's one of the greatest new boys, but it's not, it's again, we've talked about this before too. This is definitely not a demerit on his career. Like shit. Like if you can, if you're trying to play the studio game and you make a movie like this, it'll go down. Like people will appreciate it in due time. That's the thing is like, if you're going to work, Within the within the evil evil empire within the studio system, it's amazing that the movie is this good. Yeah, you know, and I, like I we're being very critical, but I do want to like, uh, you know, reemphasize that I think this movie is very good. The only reason I'm being so critical of it is because of expectation and because 
of Robert Eggers' other movies. Like, okay, so one of the one of the things also is this this talk of like, are real movies dead in the cinemas? Right. Mm -hmm. And this is an interesting part of that where people have considered this like the nail in the coffin for real movies. There have been some others that have failed. Um, So like this movie was, uh, let me see, it's around about $90 million all told. And then um, it, it only made like 80 million or something worldwide. Yeah. And that, that does seem sad. And you'd think it would, like, you know, the whole death of cinema thing, There, there's some argument there. But then you have everything everywhere all at once, which sort of changes the argument. Definitely. Where that movie was $25 million and made what, like $90 million? Yep. Something like that? Yeah. I mean, and it's interesting because... I think one of the coolest things about when we talk about all of these things and like these predictors and whatnot is that you never really know when something is going to like hit and when it's going to hit like a heartstring or like just some nerve in society that just absolutely like opens the floodgates to something new. Right. And I feel like everything everywhere all at once did do that. And I wasn't expecting it to. And I expected this movie to do that, but it didn't. So it, this one's never kinda, what you expect, man. Yeah, I mean, this one kind of... never what you expect. It just fell into, like, a more... Like I said, just a more traditional story for me. It wasn't thought-provoking, which is, you know, a phrase you used at the beginning, which I think is perfectly fitting and apt. It's it's It's, like, kind of evocative. It's probably really weird if you're not used to watching weird movies. But, yeah, for, for me, it was, it was, like, that was good. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it didn't. It's definitely Nova Hollerizing, which is a movie that was made for $20 by Nicholas Winding Refn in 2009, you know? Yeah, which is extremely it's evocative. Like, it's like, I don't know. Maybe you maybe you want to choose, right? You want to choose your Hollywood Viking revenge movie or choose to do a, you know, a, just a weird psychedelic movie? I, I don't know. I don't know, Alex. <laughs> You'd think there would be room for something in between. There definitely is. Yeah. This is this is pretty close to that, but like I'm not I'm not gonna remember this movie. Yeah. It's not really I don't know. <laughs> and that makes me sad. It makes me a little sad too, but not worried, I will say. I just don't have I'm not worried. Oh, you're worried? No, I said I'm not worried either. Oh, okay. No. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I think uh, I think Eggers will go on to make many other great films, probably with a smaller budget. Yeah. Because when you're a real artist, having somebody have final cut of your art is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, and plenty of directors can attest to that, and artists can attest to that, musicians as well, right? Oh yeah. Any industry that is artistic and creative that has some type of overseeing or like standardized administrative agency like a studio that distributes and like owns the legalities and the red tape to all of that creativity, it gets really like I don't know. I mean, it it sucks because I want this I want directors like Eggers to get to a level where they can just totally shun that world, right? And I don't know if he's there yet, but like people like David Lynch can. You know, like people Lynch hasn't made a movie since 06, man. Oh, but I mean, like he can just kind of be like, 
mm, I'm not going to work with the studio if I don't feel like. Well, he doesn't need to. His movies don't cost that much. Yeah, and he yeah. and like his his like reputation is already there that he doesn't need to like live and die by what he does in Hollywood, right? Yeah. Well, I take your point that like um, a really interesting filmmaker doesn't necessarily need the studios. Yeah. It's just a problem when you want to make something like The Northmen. Yeah. Which is going to cost a lot of fucking money. There was like a little David Lean in there, you know, where it's like I saw him wanting to make this kind of like historical epic, you know, like real big wooden boats, huge like village sets with like lots of extras and everything. You know, I'm, I'm just reminded mm. of uh, I just recently saw a clip of Cleopatra, you know, when she arrives. Oh, my Elizabeth God. Taylor, like arrives <laughs> in a fucking Rome or whatever. Oh. And it's just like, I don't know, just watching this film from like the 1940s, 1950s and like the humongous energy and set design that went into it. It was just like, it was a production and it was like almost theatrical, right? You have like ropes and grips and people holding lights and like carts moving all over the place. And you're like, we got to make this fucking movie, you know, and like. You have David Lee oh being my God. like, we need to blow up this fucking bridge and this train needs to crash. And like, it's just hectic. And like, it transfers oh. onto the screen. And this one was, mm, I don't know, it just felt a little more like, okay. <laughs> well, it's more stripped down. It's It was only 60 million. I think the $90 million budget came in because of like COVID craziness and just like, just like shit after. Sort of technicalities. Like, I don't know, just trying to get production to keep going. Yeah. When the world was shutting down. So it is like really mid budget, um, but I don't know. We we can we can transfer over to like those those old Hollywood epics are hilarious. Oh, dude! I think, <laughs> I think I don't know. We we can't just chat cast it at this point. I think we've said what we want to say about the Northmen. Yeah, I mean definitely um, more, see more, it. more more points may come up as we go along here and just just shoot the shit. But I mean, I, yeah, definitely see it. It's this is I'm angry, Alex. I'm mad. I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at myself and you (laughs) and the movie and everything right now because I feel like we should be giving this movie like props, right? Because it is, it is better and more interesting than 90% of the shit out there. Well, I mean, it's just disappointing. We do still have awards to give, which might reinvigorate. We we can give some awards. We could and we could give some awards. I was gonna say though, I've been watching so many though, so many of those old Hollywood like yeah, <laughs> fucking like like uh, epics, you know? Yeah, just the production that, that I like. I, like uh, well, I say so many. I've watched like five, and I cannot ever watch it one again. They're so fucking boring. Cleopatra, the fall of the Roman Empire. Yeah. The greatest story ever told, like these, these like fifties, sixties, even forties Hollywood epics, where you have like a bunch of white people with like wooden Roman soldier swords and like Roman outfits, <laughs> just like and hundreds like, the, of people. The, the, the filmmaking is such garbage. It's it's all about just the production design because nobody had ever seen like a production that big before. Yeah, you know. And it's just about like having the gaudiest, biggest golden sets you ha- you can have. Oh, dude! Like with, it's like, like Elizabeth with fucking like James Mason yeah. as a general. <laughs> you know, dude. You have like think of like the theater, right? You have a limited space. You have like only so much that you can do to show like water and shit like that. And then film comes into play, and like very quickly, 
these guys that were like versed in theater and like grew up watching silent films or like the early stages of what we know as film performance and they just take it to a whole new level with their 1950s and 1960s technology right they're like we're gonna drive out to the fucking mojave desert and we're gonna build a like life-size scale quarter of a roman city we're gonna have yeah, liz the taylor Parthenon stuff yeah, yeah we're gonna have liz taylor Elizabeth roll down taylor. and i need uh two tons of lumber so we can make this sphinx and it's just like but you're only gonna be using this for one shot but that's all before cgi baby so all those extras are real people all all almost all the way until the eye can see until you hit the painted set board right like it's just it's fucking insane and you're right that i guess you could compare that to the marvel movies of today people just wanted to see the gaudiness they didn't give a fuck about like how the films were being it's shot. Uh, i don't know that's a whole that's its whole own fucking argument I thought we cured you of this. I thought you, we cured you of your Marvel movie. No, I just mean like <laughs> bullshit. You know, like that's like the that's like the big popular thing that like movies yeah. had to have. Like when you were in the studio and you have you're like, well, get Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton. Exactly. Yeah. Like you could be a like a screenwriter that's like a little. She'll like, have seventy five costumes exactly. all laid in gold and pearls. That's what Some the kids want, want these days. Her. I just saw that's Ben her birthday want. party. You know, it's like... You know what? Ben-Hur is the only one that is worth watching. Yeah. That escapes all of this. Just watch Ben-Hur <laughs> and realize that there are like a hundred other ones that are not as good and go about your life. But watch Ben-Hur because <laughs> it's great. Yeah, but you don't need to watch Cleopatra. You don't need to watch fucking... I don't even know. I can't even remember the names of them, Alex. Well, it's just like... I can't remember. You have these mousy little stories or like traditional stories that then the studio takes and then they just blow the fuck up, you know? It could have been like... Like the Northman could have been more just like, you know, I want to kind of do this like traditional revenge tale that's like kind of built on these like vignettes, kind of like Valhalla Rising where it's like things are more evocative, abstract, and then there's a little twist to the mother thing at the end, you know? And the studio's like... Yeah, that sounds good. All right, let's put boats in it. Um, let's also put like 10 battle scenes. I want you to get a 10-pack Alexander Skarsgård, and I want to see you just rip some fucking ass. I mean, he did have to do that. Oh, dude. I mean, he was absolutely Well, ripped. cast Kirk Douglas as your big brother. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fucking hilarious. Like, <laughs> Oh, my hey, God. Dude, so... As after we um after we decided to like sort of uh, move this back a bit, I watched a couple other movies that had Vikings Viking action in them. One of them was The Vikings. Wait, what year did this come out? Let me look this up. Starring Kirk Douglas. Do 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 do. I watched The Vikings with from 1958 with Kirk Douglas, and boy oh boy, is this movie stupid. Um, it is just old. It's so old. Um, and and that's not necessarily a problem. the The astute listener will know that I love old cinema when it's good. But it's it's it is. Uh, boy oh boy, have we come a long way in terms of authenticity and craft in the movie world. And that made me appreciate, uh, you know, the Northmen. Did you say so this much came more. out in '58? '58. Okay, so it was, it was before Spartacus, then, huh? I believe it was before Spartacus. I think Spartacus you know? was like '60 or '61, so it was like just before. So I just wonder if, like, he was like getting into his little <laughs> his little swordplay 
thing at the time. Yeah, he's getting into his groove. Yeah, um, he's supposed to play like a 19-year-old, but he's obviously like 42. And it's 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 every cliche about Vikings you can think of shot very flatly um, on these old Hollywood sets. And it's funny. <laughs> it's funny in that sense, but man, it gets boring. <laughs> it's uh, It does not stand the test of time. <laughs> I mean, Kirk, dude, Kirk, talk about prolific, though. That guy was in fucking so many movies. That guy, Kirk Douglas was a definitely an interesting, interesting person. I don't know much about him as a person, but he definitely made a lot of movies, man. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, the other movie I watched, and I watched it a couple nights ago, was The 13th Warrior. Oh, God. I didn't really put it on knowing that it was Viking. I just remembered that it was a fun movie I watched when I was 12. What do you mean you didn't know it was Viking, dude? I mean, do, does not does Antonio Barris, Banderas not scream like Nordic Norse Viking man? So, <laughs> right. Well, he he plays an Arab. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I, I looked which, up the movie which, after you sent it to me. <laughs> which he's not. <laughs> you all know this. He's Mexican, I believe. Or or he's Spanish. I'll, I'll uh, cut in whatever I need to right there. Puerto Rican, Cuban, um, whatever. He's, he's Puerto Rican. He's Cuban. <laughs> he's a uh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> um, no, he plays an Arab. And he uh, go meets up. He meets up with some Vikings for some reason that I can't remember, even though I watched the movie two days ago. And there's a hilarious scene where, over the course of three minutes, he learns their language when he's sitting around the campfire and he's just like listening to them talk and laugh. And they're like blah 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 blah, blah speaking in I don't know Swedish or Norwegian, one of these languages that are languages. And it just. He sits there and he's listening and it just translates to English before our ears. <laughs> and they're like, how did you learn our language? And he's like, I listened. Beautiful. And it's, uh, yeah, the movie's bad. <laughs> Beautiful. That's it. <laughs> and then they go and fight orcs. Yeah. Basically. Or, or primitive tribes. So people. you said it was a book? Know. Oh, yeah. It's based on Adam a Michael Crichton book. This. It's based on a Michael Crichton book. Omar Sharif. I don't know. Man. It's not worth watching. Don't watch it. It's worth watching. Maybe wa- watch the first half hour just for like s- some terrible dialogue and some like hilarious manliness that you don't get anymore because it was the 90s. Apparently one of the biggest box office bombs in history with a loss of $130 yeah. million. Dollars. Ouch. Yeah. So maybe the Northman uh, echoes aren't too far off. <laughs> this movie lost money. That's brutal. It's unfortunate, but, you know, I don't know what they expected, really. <laughs> I mean, you, if you showed me this movie and you told me the budget and you told me, is this going to release in, this is going to release in theaters, I'd be like, yeah, that's not going to make money. The Northmen. <laughs> you know? Uh, well, <laughs> that, that was a movie. No, I'm just kidding. Ugh. I'm so hot right now. Yeah? I just had to close my window because some fucking asshole outside is doing stuff. Oh, I thought you were looking at pictures of Nicole Kidman. Oh, yeah, just her beautiful wax face in that firelight. <laughs> Dude, it was weird. Like, it looked scary at some points. I was like, is she, she supposed to be like a supernatural being of some kind? Do you think that was that was part of the uh, part of the draw there? 
she definitely had the wickedness factor going like once once he confronts her and everything i was like okay but see then that falls into the kind of the traditional thing too i was like ooh, the wicked the wicked mother like yeah yeah i feel kind of bad i feel bad about this i, I don't know I don't know. Should we do some awards, Alex? Let's do the awards. <laughs> this episode has been strange. <laughs> the Phil Hoffman Award for Best Performance. <laughs> Who are we giving it to? I'll have to give it to Alexander Skarsgård, honestly. He carried the film pretty well. What about Willem Dafoe and his three shots? I mean, he and his. well, he was in it, too, as a head. A little waxed, petrified head. Yeah. I want I want that head for my collection. I want the Willem Dafoe Viking head for my collection. I want the Funko Pop of that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll give it the Skarsgård as well. He did a good job. I actually um, I read that it was his idea. This whole movie essentially, like he pitched yeah. it to Eggers, and they sort of collaborated on it from there. He had wanted to work on it for a little while actually, because um, I mean him being of that descent himself, you know. He was like always very interested in it, and it got really scars. Guard, yeah, I know, right? You don't say. <laughs> got shelved a few times, and then I think that uh, Eggers came on and was like interested in it, and it was like, honestly though, that shows just how good it is to maybe wait when you have a good idea, you know, because you'll have a good director come along who picks it up and is like, ooh, I kind of want to do something with this. Yeah, if this had come from almost any other director, I would call it a minor masterpiece. Oh yeah. It's like I don't know. It's not. A, it's not like a failure or anything. You watch the movie. I'm sorry, by the way, about this. This show tonight. We're just. We're just all over the place. <laughs> it happens. We're not always as cohesive as we are in the Everything Everywhere episode. Um, but it's not like uh, I. I. I lump him in my brain. Um, Robert Eggers. That is with another director. Uh, who's the director of Ex Machina? What's his name again? Oh, Alex Garland. Alex Garland, Alex Garland. Yeah. yeah. I lump him in with Alex Garland because they both broke onto the scene as filmmakers at around the same time, um, 2014, 2015, and have just been, like, putting out... The, like, the first couple movies are really great. And then you have seen the latest Alex Garland film, which I have not. Mm-hmm. It's called Men. Yep. Uh, <laughs> which I feel like we should talk about at some point because I'm interested to see it. Yeah. But you, your opinion is that it's a giant piece of crap. I thought it was extremely right? like boring, overhyped. It was like too. It was just very airy. There was nothing like to latch onto about it. No, oh. I don't know. And it was also kind of pandering. Mm. Um, oh, it just wasn't really. I don't know. It just wasn't really my thing. Well, I'm interested to see it, so we'll probably talk about it at some point. Um, what was my point in bringing I mean, men up? Ari Aster also <laughs> is a director that I would put into the same category. Aster, yeah. One of our first episodes is Midsommar. Maybe Panos um, as well. You know, there's like a little... Little cadre of Yeah, I was going to say cadre, dudes. but I was thinking of like a term for like horses, right? Like when you have like oh, a stable. A pack. A, sh- a stable. Ah, oh, there you go. There's like a good solid stable of young directors that I'm interested in. And some of them have made a little quirky movies here and there. But, you know, Panos is one. Um, Ari Aster, Eggers. I would even put Edgar Wright in in this in that conversation, even though his Edgar Wright has made like seven movies. Though. Oh yeah, and like he's a little more like established. Um, yeah, 
And then uh, you, you know what you're getting there. I always forget who's the director that did Pig. Um, oh, I don't know. He's that was his first feature. Exactly. So I would give him. Um, a we don't shout. know. Pig, 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 starring Nicolas Cage. Go watch it unless you're easily bored. Uh, Michael Sarnaski yeah. is his name. So I had no memory of that. Um, apparently, he's directing A Quiet Place Part 3. Oh, God. Please let that movie which, just fuck it. <sighs> which, why? I hated why the second one. Why are you doing that? You just directed Pig. Go go make your own movie. I hated the second one. I know, right? Don't it's like, do that. Why are you part of this, like... And then he'll make the next Marvel movie, and we'll have been robbed of a of a potentially great voice in cinema. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm almost, I don't know. Those movies, man. <laughs> the first one I liked. The second one I was just it was so boring. It was just so repetitive. I haven't seen them. I don't know. Wait, we were doing awards. God, we're scattered today. What's going on, Alex? <laughs> what's what's up with us today? I don't know. It's this damn movie. <laughs> it's it's this damn movie. It's uh, it's got us discombobulated, cause it's great and it's not, and it's weird. We don't know how what to make of it. I would rename this movie the North Man. The North. Just the North. The North Man. Man. The North. It's just space man. Yeah, it's just plain. It's just a man in the North. It's not though. It's really good. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck me. Ah. Ah. <laughs> Are you still listening, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know if you've made it this far. <laughs> I'm curious. I drink your milkshake award for most memorable scene. Hmm. What do you think? Probably. Viking Quidditch? Uh, yeah. I mean, that actually was probably the funniest scene to me. Uh, That's the one for me. That's the one I, I think back to. I don't know. The meditation scene or the hallucination scene at the very beginning with Willem Dafoe. It's probably mine. My drink your milkshake award because that's when I was like mm. I really thought we were going down the Eggers Eggers train. Um, I remember Willem Dafoe being there. I remember Alexander Skarsgård belching, and I remember the little kid farting. And then I don't remember the actual hallucination. So it was Ethan Hawke who was belching. It was when it was his father who was doing it, and. Uh, Alexander Skarsgård was not in the movie yet. He was like a, it was him when he was younger. Oh, right. Okay. And that's yeah, yeah, right yeah. after they walk out of that den. Oh, that was Ethan Hawke. That's right. Yeah. Holy shit. Right when they walk out of too. that like drug den after the morning after, presumably. Um, it was like a rite of passage ritual, right? That's when the uncle comes with all the hooded men and, and kill, kills the, they kill Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Um, so is that our, what, that's your, that's your, that's your milkshake award? That is my milkshake award. The most memorable award. scene. Okay. Yeah, I mean, a runner up is, uh, just the whole first battle sequence when they are powering through that village and you just see the absolute animalistic destruction that the Norse warrior is capable of. Yeah, that part was And it never hard. reaches that level again. Which I said earlier, but that's a criticism that I have as well. You mean like when Where he's like, grown I, up, right? And like he's with the new yeah. group and they're raiding the Yeah, fuck he's out in of the, the new group and they just fuck up this village. And while it's horrific, it's also badass. Oh, yeah. And you're like, I want him to be that badass for the rest of the movie. And he's just not. He has moments. A lot of it's off camera. He'll butcher people and like set them up into like oh, Norse shapes. That, on buildings. that one was cool. 
that part was like definitely if we're going to talk about roller girl award that one is gonna like he arranged their bodies into like the shape of a sheep yeah it's um oh god i didn't write it down i saw in my research that it was it was like a legitimate viking symbol oh you know or or norse symbol that that says something i don't remember y'all can look it up i'm not gonna not gonna do it right now um but but it's yeah it's it's a thing it means something (laughs) Things mean things, and things mean things in this movie, you know, regardless of our criticisms. Um, yeah, Roller Girl Award for Most Uncomfortable Scene. There's that one. Uh, I personally would give it to when I thought Alexander Skarsgård was going to make out with his mama. Oh, my God. Um, even though they're like five years different <laughs> in their ages. Um, no, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's not his mom at this point. <laughs> that the suspension of disbelief had to happen for me at that because I was like, those those two people are like the same age. I mean, they have played love interests before in another project, so yeah, very recently. Um, exactly. <laughs> not even you don't even need that. You're just like you're fifty, you're fifty five, <laughs> with a lot of plastic. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that that part was ridiculously. Uh, was ridiculously uncomfortable. Uh, I'm glad that they they pulled away from that. I, I didn't want them to explore the symbology or the like Oedipal overtones of that in any way. I was just like, are, Stop are you it. sure though? Like, what? Okay, what if the movie went that way? Okay, so well, that- and it and it and it explored that in gruesome detail. Would that that would be really interesting, right? Well, see, yeah, because like that that's at that point though, I thought that. That's I thought Nicole Kidman was almost like supernatural in a sense. The way that she was acting in that scene where she's just being so vilely like, you know, unrepentant for all the things that she's done. I will be your queen. Yeah, exactly. So like we will rule together. And what if he fucked her? And what if they did that? And then the whole movie's like it becomes this weird psychological descent. Well, then about Willem this Dafoe, man who fucks his mom. I mean, Willem Dafoe like, would have been in it much more, and Lars von Trier probably would have been starting to direct. <laughs> Lars von Trier would have directed yeah. it, or he would have been just in the corner masturbating. <laughs> Seriously? See, see, if the movie went that way, I would have been much more uncomfortable, and I probably would have loved it a lot more. Yeah. I mean, it's because so I rote. want It's so, like, I don't know. I want movies like this to make me uncomfortable it is pretty vanilla the right? bitch makes me uncomfortable if we can use that the lighthouse attitude. makes me uncomfortable Lars von Trier makes me uncomfortable fucking robert eggers has the capacity to be the new Lars von Trier. <laughs> and your movies should make me uncomfortable they should challenge me and this movie didn't challenge me it earned my respect it earned my admiration but it did not earn my love yeah, that's a good way to put it, actually. Frozen Banana Award for most comedic scene. <laughs> Definitely the the Viking Quidditch scene where that big ass burly dude is running down the field, and I like straight up thought he was gonna show mercy to the little kid, and now he just like decks the shit out of him. I was like, oh no. fuck. He was going to, but then Skarsgård saved his ass. No, like he knocks him down and like knocks him the fuck out, and then he stands. Oh, over he knocks him. him down, but then he he, he Dude, sets the Quidditch ball next to his head and is about to like <laughs> blast him. I was like, is that part of the game? Like. That should have been in in our fan version of this. That should have been part of it. Oh, dude, I that thought kid that that was gets blasted happen. in the noggin by by big old fucking Hodor, <laughs> Hodor Jones right there, 
And then Alexander Skarsgård bangs Nicole Kidman and sets up like a weird fucking empire of degeneracy. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> the is, fucking is your Norse old boy Alabama. Viewing coming into this in any way? <laughs> oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, Talk about revenge and incestual. Who would we cast Lars von Trier in in this movie if we cast him? Like, wait, cast him actually as an actor in the film? Yeah. Why not? Nicole Kidman. Add, like, add another character. We're doing our fan version now. Is he just somebody masturbating in the corner? Hmm. That's a good question. Like, doing a Nazi salute every once in a while? Have him just play a horse. Butt-ass naked, horse. full strapped <laughs> up in a bit, and, like, just an extra riding <laughs> You him. just have Alexander Skarsgård riding yeah, yeah. Lars von Trier, but in the logic of the movie, it's a horse. Yeah, no Nobody one says anything. comments on it. There are other horses, hmm. too. Like, he's like... Like real horses, like there are other real horses, okay. yeah, but yeah, no one's yeah. saying anything about Skarsgård's horse. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be fucking hilarious. I think uh, I think we're getting into like a really niche version of the audience that would accept this film, <laughs> but that's okay. We're gonna have to like t- tone the budget down a bit, but um, okay. So this one's actually applicable. So we have the Willem Dafoe Award for most erotic scene. Mm, well, I mean, the Willem Dafoe Award for most erotic scene. having sex under the moonlight and talking about mushrooms, right? Him and Anya Taylor Joy doing their thing. Yeah, a fifty-year-old and a twenty-year-old. Yeah, because it's Hollywood, baby. <laughs> he's a young fifteen-year-old strapping boy come to avenge his father. Yeah, he's a young forty-nine-year-old <laughs> having sex with a woman born in nineteen ninety-nine. Nice. <laughs> Wait, how old is she? Let me look this up. I gotta know now. But you've already lost everyone listening to this show, so. <laughs> yeah, I gotta go to bed. 1996. Oh exhausted. shit, my bad. Okay, 96. Jeez. All right. 96. I, she's 96. Uh. She looks great. She looks great. I mean, that's a. What year is it? That's a 25 year old woman. That's acceptable. But how old is um old uh, Skarsgårdy? I like how I the image of him on IMDb is him without pants. It's him in like a full suit and tie, but no pants. <laughs> Perfect. Seventy six. Perfect. Seventy six. Twenty years. So older. you know, yeah, tw- twenty years. So just twenty years. So I mean, okay, I take it all back. That's standard Hollywood. <laughs> the standard Hollywood actor is gonna be dating an actress. Or a model 20 years his younger, for sure. Yeah. Just ask Leo. You know, sometimes I have this I have this thought, because I do want to write screenplays at some point, and I have this thought that I do the real weirdo show. And some of the things that I've said about people <laughs> in this industry are on record. <laughs> They'll come after you later. Mm, if they ever see it. We're pretty small. We're pretty small. It might just slip under the radar. We'll just change our names. Change our names in the credits. <laughs> um, okay, Alex. Let's let's end this. Let's do it. Let's end it. We're at we're at we're at enough time here. We <laughs> let's end this catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everyone. I had fun. I had fun, even though this is a fucking Frankenstein of an episode where we really struggled to elucidate our thoughts on this movie because it was hard it was hard but 
Do you have any final thoughts on the Northmen or anything else we've talked about? No. Just go see it still. I'll still recommend it. Doesn't fall out of like my favor that much to not recommend it, but it's not a movie I'll be re- revisiting uh, anytime soon because uh, it didn't provoke any thoughts that I feel like were worth exploring any further. So that's about it for me. But it's still great, yeah. greatly like well. It's like still such a well done movie. Yeah, it's really well made. I was sort of on the edge of my seat about for about half of it. Um, mostly based on just how good the filmmaking was. And then I just sort of, I, I don't know, I lapsed into just like, okay, this is the movie. And it was good. It ended. I think it is worthy of respect and admiration. I hope we get more movies like it, but I don't think we will because it, I don't know, it didn't elucidate anything from the audiences really. Uh, I'm sure critics liked it. Audiences did not respond, which... I mean, looking at it now that I've seen it is totally predictable. And that's that's understandable, but sad. Yeah, I don't know. I'd say also see it. Um, I, I both apologize and do not apologize for our review. I'm still putting it out. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we love you. We love you. We hope you're doing okay out there. Yep. And we'll see you all in the next one. Exactly. To Valhalla. Enjoy. Your uh, scalloped goat. <laughs> scalloped goat. Old man doing a podcast. Real weirdos. We have English degrees. Real weirdos. We talk about movies for way too goddamn long.